Father, we thank you. Because everyone who truly calls to you, you answer. And Lord, we have cried out to you this evening. We have prayed that you show us the state of our hearts. That you give us light this evening through your word. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. <laughs> that amen does not sound like you believe it. Let's start again. The Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. Uh, that's sounding more like it. I'm not fully convinced. The Lord is good. Do you really believe it? If you do, can you give me an amen? Amen. Now, that sounds convincing. The Lord is good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right, quick, let's open our Bibles. I want us to de- take a declaration from um, Psalm number 146. I want to declare from Psalm number 146. Please, let me use the opportunity to remind us again to please make these things a habit, declaring the word of God. Ever since I discovered this, it has been a habit in my personal life and in our home. I believe that Christians need to learn to chant things, to make songs. And in the Bible, talk about psalms and hymns and what? Spiritual songs. It's important. If it wasn't important, we would not have been told about it. We must learn to have psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs on our lips. All right. Psalm 146. We are going to read the 10 verses. Do you have it open? Okay, let's read it together from the bottom of our hearts and declare the glory of God into the air. One, two, let's go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. But it was the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. That God owes Zion to all generations. Praise the Lord. We declare again, Jesus will reign forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus will reign forever. Amen. I said, the Lord Jesus will reign forever. Amen. One more time, the Lord Jesus will reign forever. Amen. I want everybody to declare that with me. See, the Lord Jesus will reign forever. The Lord Jesus will reign forever. Two more times. The Lord Jesus will reign forever. One more time. The Lord Jesus will reign forever. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding quickly. Then we'll take our seats and begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. 
It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Once again, today as we listen, the Lord will kindle a fresh anointing in your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. Fresh enablement is your portion in Jesus' name. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's um, continue to study about the God of the nations in this, our school of prayer, in which we are learning how to pray. The Lord is, by this series of teachings, raising effective prayer warriors. Did you hear that? Yes, making us into effective, the emphasis on effective. I said it last time, and I've said it many times, Christians sometimes, often, waste a lot of time in prayer. And that's, that's time that should be better used. Jesus has commanded, we ought to pray and not to get tired of praying. If it was not important, he would not have said it. Again, let me remind us, the reason why he had to say that is because he said men ought to pray and not get tired. It means there will be reasons to get tired. Sometimes we hear people preach, now, 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 God answers prayers immediately. If it was always like that, nobody will ever get tired. I hope you are getting my point. Sometimes there, there are apparent delays. Something will appear as if God didn't hear. You'll be wondering, was he listening? That's why he said you ought to continue to pray and not to get tired. One of the things prayer does is to change you. Let me quickly say this. The most important thing on this earth is a transformed, as far as God is concerned, is a transformation of his creatures, his people, into the exact image of Christ Jesus. I will say this. Many people won't like it who say they are teaching faith. If God has to delay answers to bring you to that point, he will. Did you get my point? See, and he does. <laughs> Sometimes we preach, pray. You know, let me tell you something. God is a father, literally. The way a, a wise earthly father would treat his children is how God, heavenly father, also does, but to a greater level. No father gives everything. I still see people say that God never says no. I don't, for me, it's not about what, let's not bother quoting scripture about it. What concept is that that he never says no? Which father never says no? I don't know whether you're getting my point. The only way he would never say no is that your request must be accurate 100% of the times in accordance with his will. So take up from the other end. That means you are saying to me 100% of the times I always know what is right to ask for in accordance with the will of God. If that's what you are saying, then I will agree with the statement that he never says no. But if you are not bold enough to make this other statement, then you are saying that he's not responsible as a father. If he never denies what you are asking, which he doesn't think is good for you. Sometimes he says no, and it's all over scriptures, people that he has told no. There are times he tells them, don't bring it up again. There are times the prayer is even good. He says, it can't be done. If you like, go and call Moses and Samuel. Go and call Noah. Add him to, I still will not listen. There are times to get to that point. But please, that God never says no. It's not true. However, listen to this. The fact that you have not seen results does not mean he said no. Maybe that's one thing we just have to balance. Delay happens. Delay happens. Delay happens. I was going to say this before I went into that. That, see, the most important thing to God is that we are changed and we are transformed. 
And one of the things that prayer does for us is to change us. One of the things that prayer does for us is to transform us. One of the things it does is to convert us from what we used to be to what we are supposed to be. I hope you are getting my point. Because you see, prayer is literally fellowshipping with the Lord. Literally, that's what it is. Prayer is literally staying in his presence. And in that atmosphere, you can get corrected. Do you get my point? In that atmosphere, you can get refined. Sometimes when there's delay, what God is saying is that, see, every delay has a reason. Now, we're not talking about denial now. We're talking about what? Delay. Delays always have a reason. And there are two major reasons. It has to do with time not dependent on you, not associated with you as a person. And sometimes the time that you also, that is, let me put it this way, the second one, the, you need to be refined and changed to be able to receive what you are asking for. Now, sometimes, the, the first one, let me explain it. Daniel was asking for something. It was not dependent on him. It was dependent on external factors. So God had to give him visions and revelations to give him comfort so that he will know that the real thing he's asking for will be fulfilled in another time. It happens. So that's a cause of delay. Also, you find out that you're asking for things and there are other things that must be in place before the one you're asking for can come into place. So as you continue to pray, arrangements will be made in the realm of the Spirit to get the other things into place. I hope you're getting my point. Let me just, just give an example. Let us assume now. Now, this is not a very good illustration, but just easy. And I can quickly, before I, so that I won't waste time trying to think of a better one. Assuming I'm asking God for a very nice um, a Ferrari. Are you getting my point? And I want to drive it. Um, which part of Nigeria has the worst roads? Okay, let's not mention names. Eh? Don't let them hear you. Eh? Okay, somebody said Abba. I didn't say to these two people said, please, after I film them so that I can put them in the video, the people that are accusing people, it's not me. All right? I'm not saying you are wrong, maybe you are right. But <laughs> <laughs> so, as we are living there, and then you ask God, now we're just using this car as an example, okay? You now ask God for it. And He says, okay, good, I'm going to give it to you, but where are you going to drive it? So I will grant your request. But I'm not going to float into your house because I'm not here to play. You know I can answer, and you say yes. And indeed, I've answered. I can do it. But then why keep it here? You can't use it. So let's start walking on the roads. I hope you're getting my point. So the process of road building, you understand, stuff like that, we continue to go until you don't have good roads around. They did not give you a sports car that's only two inches off from the road. Because if you carry, <laughs> if you carry some cars to some places, you can't even enter your compound because... Between your compound and the bad road is worse. <laughs> so God arranges, now that's just to give an illustration. So God puts things in place. And so that's why sometimes there appears to be a delay. But more important to discuss in that regard briefly, we're going to do our main teaching, okay, is the fact that the delay is often in you. You have to be prepared to be able to receive what you are asking him for. So if your name is Abraham, it's my best example any time. Abraham needed, God promised him Isaac. But God could, now listen to me. I use the word could, 
Now, God could form Isaac out of the trees, but did he do that? So, if you're talking about anything is possible with God, of course anything is possible. He can make people rise up from stones. But the proper Isaac that would be a blessing to the man Abraham could not be given for the next 25 years. It had nothing to do with the, uh, the magnitude of the power of God. It had everything to do with the preparedness of the man Abraham. So Abraham was being prepared day by day. That's why God will not send a certificate into your life and say, hey, you're not a lawyer. I hope you're getting my point. If he wants to make you a lawyer, he will send you to school. You will go to university, 100 level, you will learn the fundamentals. 200 level, you will learn law of thought, landlord, I don't know how to do it in the law, I'm just giving an example. You, you will learn your jurisprudence, you will learn everything. Then one day, you will graduate and I say, good, I'm not a lawyer. I say, no, remain small, go to law school. So this whole process will consume like six years of your life. Not because God can't do it like this, but because why should he do it like this? What he wants to do is to build you. So by the time he gives you this certificate, then you can show up in court and speak like an intelligent person and represent him effectively. Please, I hope you are getting my point. That's the way it works. So when he said, Lord, make me a lawyer, he would delay for six, seven years. Why? That's how long it takes to train a lawyer. You follow that? Now, sometimes in our lives, it's not the law degree we are talking about. It's being the father to Abraham and uh, to Isaac. And the training for that from the point of call is 25 years. That's what prayer does. So each time we are praying, we are learning. There are prayer points, you know, you look back, say, if God has answered that prayer at that time, will I be here to the Lord? Thank you for not answering it. One of the things it does for you is as time goes on, the things that he has denied you, he will show you his righteousness in the denial. As you continue to mature as a believer, he will show you his righteousness. That Look, what I mean is that you look back yourself and say, man, that was not good for me. Why was I asking for it? That's just how prayer is. So one of the things prayer does for us is to change us, to transform us. We become the person that God wants us to be. Please let me say it again. That is the most important thing to the Lord. It's not just to be submitting all your needs. Meeting needs are not a major problem for him. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He can add things anytime. The Lord is good. So that's just a small um, um, exhortation. Let's now get back to the main thing we have discussed since our school of prayer. Let's then now to pray effectively. Effective prayer. Effective prayer. We've been looking at the God of the nations. The emphasis on the fact that he is indeed the God of the nations. Let me remind us again, that means that Satan is not the God of the nations. And if you look at the things happening on the earth, try and judge them in the light of the righteousness of God. Try and judge the things happening on the earth in the light of his righteousness, his purpose. Last time I explained, there are two major reasons behind his judgment of the nations. Why does he deal with nations the way he does, or the way he would? So last time we, we read from the book of um, um, Amos, and we saw Amos show us different aspects of the judgment of God, that is, as, as he was prophesying. We saw him prophesy against um, 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 Aram, that's Syria, Damascus. We saw him prophesy against Edom. We saw him prophesy against all those nations. We saw Amos declare the counsel of God 
against all those people, including um, um, the Philistines. Gaza, he will tell you, he will give you a word against Gaza for the three transgressions and they are on for four. I will not revoke their punishment. And so God kept on saying those things to give us a glimpse into his righteousness, why he does what he does. He's not arbitrary in his judgment. And that time I read, I think I remember pointing out specifically that when he got to, I didn't talk about it, but when he got to Judah, uh, where, where are we with that Judah? Okay, in verse 4 of chapter 2, he said, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I would not revoke its punishment because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray. Those after which their fathers walked, we're talking about idols, walking astray after idols. So I will send fire upon Judah, and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Now the primary reason why God judges his own people is because they reject his law. It's not because of what people think is morally right or wrong, but because they rejected his law. But generally, he has principles of righteousness and morality for the whole of mankind. And God will always, always, in his righteousness, he has to, God will always bring judgment against nations that do what is wrong against his moral laws that he has placed in their hearts. We explained that when um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah did that, God came down and judged them. We also saw that when um, uh, what, Jonah, the people of Jonah, Nineveh, yes, when they sinned against him, he also came to judge, but then they repented. And I'll talk about that briefly as we go on. They repented, and because of the repentance, God changed his mind, and he suspended the judgment. Now, the second reason, we stopped with that last time, why God, uh, the second the principle upon which he judges nations is what we want to continue to talk about today. And to establish that, we are going to read what we read last time, then we'll read it again. Um, that's the book of um, Psalms, the book of Psalms 22. Let me start from verse 25. From thee comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Now please notice verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. That is a statement you must never forget. Now verse 29 says, All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity, he says, will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that is, people who are yet to come, that he has performed this. Now, please, just remain there. Let me quickly go back to verse, um, the chapter 2 of the book of Psalms. He said, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. What are they saying? Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. Verse 6. 
What is he saying? But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. He says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. What are you going to do? You will break them with a rod of iron, and you will shatter them like earthenware. Now notice that. God has given the decree. God the Father has given the decree to the Son that I will give you the nations as your inheritance. All you need to do is ask. He said, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You will do what you like with them. You will break them with a rod of iron. And it was talking about, like you take a pot. You know, the next line says, you shall shatter them like earthenware. It was saying you put a pot down made of clay. In modern day, we use ceramics, still derived from clay. And then Jesus will take his rod and break them to pieces as he desires. Now, one thing you, you have to bear in mind in this is this. He does such things. You know, it's as if I've been given a commandment from God, all right? As if I've been given that commandment from the Lord to remind people that he does this. He takes a rod and breaks people to pieces. He takes a rod and shatters nations. Please, I'm going to say something that is not very popular in today's world, that is, today's Christian world. And part of the reason why they do what they do is because of guilt. It's because of guilt. You see what I'm talking about in a moment. All right? Well, I'll get to it in a moment. But bear in mind, Jesus does this. Now, because he does this, the instruction was now given to the people of the earth. He said, now, therefore, because Jesus can shatter you, with a rod of iron, as, with, as, it's, as if it's shattering everywhere. He said, now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Now, let me say this. Why would you warn people if it was not something terrible that might happen to them? I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the son. Why? He may become angry and you will perish in the way. Or like some translations will say, your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Please, there are so many scriptures I want to read, but let's just start talking. Then I'll get down to reading some of them. Now, there's something I was going to say earlier. That... It makes me sad when Christians do what they do. You know, um, over the last few days, actually I stumbled into a particular movie file on my computer. And in that movie file, it was talking, it was, so I clicked on it, I couldn't remember placing it there. I actually thought it was uh, Pastor Chris um, Okoti's message because it was something like, I thought it was Apocalypsis. You know, he does Apocalypsis. But this one is the Apocalypse. So I opened it and I said, oh, it's a history of... Um, the Second World War, all right? It's a movie about the Second World War, like a documentary. So I sat and started watching again. And believe me, do you know what happened? People suffered. Please go and warn all those who are saying, let's fight, let's fight. There's a reason why people don't want to fight. In fact, one of the reasons why Hitler got away with the things he did in the early parts in Poland and all of that was because the French and the British did not want to fight. 
They still had the memory of the First World War. So they didn't want to fight. So it took them a while to finalize yeah, is enough. Normally, they would have reacted fast enough to prevent it. The, I, I watched the war, it was terrible. But what I want to emphasize is what Hitler did to the Jews. When you see some of the things the guy did then, even before he rounded them up into the camps, the way they were treated on the streets, it was horrible. He didn't know what he would do with them until the war was no longer going his way. Before, when he was taking over one country after another in Europe, he wasn't really in a hurry to just label the Jews, Jews and keep them somewhere. Then when he began to lose some battles, he realized that this thing may not go the way I'm planning. So they quickly plotted that while we have time, let's kill everybody, all the Jews. And he did something terrible to the Jews. Now for generations, supposed Christians, now normal Christians who believe in Christ, they don't persecute people. I hope you get my point. We don't. But nations sometimes call themselves Christians. And then they persecute people they don't like. For example, if you get to Joss, when the crisis breaks out between the Christians and the Muslims, in fact, one of my, um, the man is a committed believer, runs an NGO, all right? He's a senior colleague. So one day they caught him, and they were going to kill him. They, I mean, they, it, was, it was coming back from somewhere at night. They caught him, and no, who are they? We'll talk about it later. And this day we were going to kill him. So they asked him whether he's a Christian or a Muslim. And of course, his only was like, so in order to say that, just deny, uh, please, just stick with Christ, so that even if you die, you die in glory. I hope you get my point. Because in his own case, you know what happened? He wasn't sure, you know, he's from that area, he lives around that, um, in that Plato area. So he didn't know who was who. Just who, are, are you a Christian or a Muslim? <laughs> so he said, he said his last prayer, and decided to tell the truth, that I'm a Christian, expecting to die. They looked at him. I think they dared him to recite Psalm 23. And he did. And then they hissed and said he could go. They, want, they were looking for Muslims to kill. What saved him was that he was a Christian. And those who were killing are supposed to be Christians. So you can see, they are not true. I'm sorry, they are not true believers. True believers don't do that. The only debate some of us true believers have is when we are we're about to be killed and we have the opportunity to kill. Should we? That's, but to catch somebody who's going in his own way, we don't do that. So for generations, all right, supposed Christians have persecuted or had persecuted the Jews. Ever since Constantine supposedly became a believer and much of Europe became Christian, the Jews suffered under the, uh, under the uh, rule of supposed Christian nations. And I can say this one to you clearly. After the Second World War and all of that, part, many of the doctrines we hear today is guilt. Many Christians now rise up, okay, and started turning around the doctrines that they, they, had, they had used to persecute the Jews. Then they swung to the other extreme. So you now see Christians now implying that a Jew is more blessed than a, in quote, Gentile, who's a believer in Christ Jesus. They don't say it like that, but you see, hear everything they say around it. Let me say to you, that reaction is just as bad as the former offense. It's just as bad as the former offense. Now, I want to, I was going to say something. 
that many people don't say. But at least I can quote something one man of God said. I listened to him quite a bit. He said there is nothing that happened to the Jews that God did not warn about. Nothing. If you go and read the warnings he gave them, especially in Deuteronomy, do you understand? There was nothing they suffered that he did not, you know, he didn't warn them about. In fact, one day I was listening to the Bible experience, and it got to a particular point. The man narrating as Moses, as an old man, you know, he said something, the way he said it, he was warning them when you disobey God, what will happen to them, how their women will be raped, how the pregnant one will be ripped open, and the children's head will be dashed against the wall. He said, the sight you will see will drive you mad. That's where the man said it. Oh boy, he drove the point in. Why people used to disobey God is unbelief. Because if you believe small, when you see the consequences, and that's why when Satan wants to help us disobey, he starts telling us there's no consequence. There are no problems. Grace covers it. He's trying to help us disobey. Because when we see consequences, bros, energy will come from somewhere to obey. And that was why God, I'm telling you the truth. When you saw what Moses, what God told Moses to warn the people with, my God. Why anybody would disobey God after that, I don't know. This one we quote all the time. How can one chase a thousand, two chase ten thousand? We take it with pride. As, as we are blessing, you know, those who are marrying next, we are going to tell them there too. You know, you know? Apostle, are you not planning to tell them that on Saturday? You are planning to? Okay. <laughs> there are two of you, we chase 10,000. We use it. It's good, we have borrowed the principle. But when it was first spoken, it wasn't spoken as a blessing. It was spoken as a warning. There are two of your enemies, we do boom. And 10,000 of you will run away. One will just say, whoo, 1,000 will run. Second will jump, 10,000 will run. He said, why? He said, because they are rock, we give them up. Severe warning that God gave Israel. And then they disobeyed. Now, I want to tell you something. The greatest disobedience, the greatest disobedience, the greatest disobedience is the rejection of the Son. That's where I'm going. Do you know I said nation? They rejected the son. The people of Israel. God played a game with them. This is the son. This is Barabbas. Choose one. They say we choose Barabbas. What's the name of our centurion? Or the, not the centurion. What's the name of the ruler? Pilate. Pontius Pilate said, ha, this man has not done anything now. Why should we condemn him? He said, they said, crucify him. Please, so give me water. He washed his hands in their presence that I'm innocent of this man's blood. What did they say? Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Let me say that to you. That curse exists till today. It hasn't gone away. But you know why we don't preach it anymore? It's not politically correct. Because once you say it, you are, you are anti-Semite. You hate the Jews. My name is Amos. And I told you last time I, lo- I love Amos. That's why I love Amos. Amos said, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm a farmer. I keep sycamore trees and I keep sheep. God just gave me a message. I've come to deliver it. 
I'm not trying to be popular. What they do in this world of today, this, the world of today is going to hellfire. That is, let me tell you the truth. The world of today, listen. <laughs> the world of today is terrible. Say anything that they just don't like. They start doing what they call cancel. They cancel culture. Take you off Twitter. Take you off Facebook. Take you off. They just go after you. Just for your information, those of you who don't know. That was why I supported Nigeria banning Twitter. In case you are wondering. I was happy. And Donald Trump said, hi. Why didn't I do this one when I was president? You know, that's what he said. Donald Trump said, wow. He gave Nigeria a thumbs up. He said, you guys are tough, man. Why didn't I do this when I was president? My reason, I'm not going to detail whether the man said, whether, no. It's just that why should one man just sit down? And I like one thing Tricia said. Tricia Warban, if you read her, on, um, she's a journalist. She writes in the BBC World. She explained that Twitter should have understood that that was not a, an opinion. It was a communication between a president and his nation. You don't moderate it. And that's why Donald Trump said all kinds of things. They didn't do anything until... He's stopping president. That the rules don't appear the same to anybody. You may not like it, but a, 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 a president is using your platform to talk to his nation. The same rules don't appear as if when me and uh, Pastor Kimute want to quarrel. You can be saying that you are using abusive language. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Now, that's, a, that's an aside. You may not like me, what I have said, but you see where I'm going. Why I reacted like that is because of this cancel culture. Anything you say, think about it. Um, what this man was supposed to sing during the inauguration of um, Joe Biden, the worship man. No, 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 the black man. No, McLaughlin. Johnny McLaughlin. Do you know why they did not agree? Because once he made a statement that God delivered me from the evil of homosexuality, they said he can't sing. The statement he made was that and a testimony he made years before, not the day before, maybe like 10 years before, that the Lord delivered him from the, no, he said the curse of homosexuality. They said for that reason, he came on the podium and sing a song when they are inaugurating a president. When I'm talking about cancel culture, I'm not joking. They just don't, they don't want you to say anything. Which is the reason I've not been paying this our big uh, uh, cable network in Nigeria. Let's not mention their names. I refuse to pay my children. I said, I tell them, if you want to watch movie, I'll pay Netflix. These people, I'm not paying them. Because all the pain, pain, pain they've been putting on the name of Jesus and the name of God. I said, I'm not giving you my money. I am not giving you my money. They mentioned the name of God. Pim. Pim. And I saw you hate the Lord. May the Lord answer you with his own power. Let him cancel you. Let him pin your life. A critical. <laughs> You hear the name of the Lord. Do you see where I'm going all of these things? I've established this so far. People don't like to tell the truth. That's why I just went to that council thing. But the truth, listen to me, the truth is that Jesus gets angry. When he's angry, he won't know whether he's the one or the devil. He shatters nations with a rod of iron as if he's breaking. Listen. When they say you will shatter them as, um, you know, um, earthenware, pottery, what they mean is this, all right? You are making pots. You are a master craftsman. 
So you made a pot. Oh, we used to have some of them. Okay, oh, they are behind me. So those who are watching can see. Like our flower vases like this that we have here. This flower vase. You want it to be perfect. So when you have made pots, okay, you select the ones that are imperfect. That are, they did not come out the way you wanted them to be. You've done all your rolling, trimming everything. At the end of the day, they are not good. So they dry it, you know, when you, when, after making the pots, you first dry it. Then you put it in the fire. You do all of those things. When you finish, now inspect the pots. The defective ones are the ones they are referring to. They give the rod of iron to one of those small boys in the shop. Your job is crush the defective pots. So they select the ones that are good, that can go on sale, that they can sell. The ones that can be sold to beautify the homes and use as vessels in the home. The ones that are remaining are not perfect. They give to one of the small boys in the shop. Crush them. That's what he's referring to. So they pulverize the pots, break them to pieces so they can pack them away, return them back to dust. That's what he's referring to here. I want you to understand, Jesus does that. A time came, the nation stood. And please, those who persecuted the Jews, let me tell you something. There are jobs you don't give to certain people. So that's why I still say it. Genuine Christians don't persecute people. Not even for the sake of making them do right. We don't do persecution. So please, because those who try to say that it's because of this doctrine that Jews were persecuted, forget that nonsense. Don't come and blame anybody. Those who usually do those jobs don't even read the scriptures. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, I am him against a nation that I'm angry with. He said, boy, he does not do it out of righteousness. You know what that means? He does not even know he's obeying God. That he does it out of the wickedness of his heart. And the Bible says, Solomon was explaining, that God has made everything for a purpose. Even the wicked for their role in the day of destruction. So when the day of wrath comes, God takes a vessel of wrath. He does not use a righteous man to persecute people. So please stop making it like people read the Bible and began to persecute anybody. The Bible can be used to say anything and justify any nonsense. People have used it to justify holding men as slaves. But it doesn't change the truth. We have to know the truth. When people rejected the son, as a nation they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Listen, no matter how much politically you want to rearrange things, it will not work. You know why? A word has gone forth out of his mouth in righteousness. He said, your house will be left to you desolate until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But Christians who are preaching without remembering that, they are lying against Jesus. Let, let me just leave it there. Let me see my message. Let me tell you something there. Let's read some scriptures. You'll see what I'm saying. Let's start from Luke chapter 9. I'm talking about why nations, why God judges nations. Luke chapter 9. We also read in Luke chapter 10. Because of time, I just rushed down to verse, um, well, we're reading from verse 1, but I'll jump a few verses to get to where the point is quickly. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. 
And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said, take nothing for your journey, neither staff, bag, bread, money. Don't even take two tonics apiece. Whatever house you enter, I mean, verse 4, stay there. Verse 5, now, as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Did you notice that? Go to chapter 10. He told them the same thing here. In verse 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Remember what he said before? Those who receive you, they do what? Those who receive you, what have they done? They have received me. So those who did not receive him and not receive the person who sent him, who manifested it by rejecting his, his servants, his apostles, he said to them, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we have, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, this is what Jesus was saying, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Did you hear what I said? He said, Sodom, Sodom was wiped out. How will it be more tolerable? I'll just give you a simple reason. If they wipe you out in one instant, is that not good? You just die like that. If they lock you up in a ghetto for one month until you start starving to death, it was more tolerable from Sodom. When the atomic bomb landed on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, when the bomb hit, the first trove of people he killed felt nothing. They saw nothing, felt nothing. They just vaporized. That's the easiest way to die. You're not even aware you're about to die. You just come, you're running, and then you keep running in the spirit. <laughs> so when he says it's more tolerable from Sodom, he wasn't joking. If you ask the Jews who died in the gas chambers of Auschwitz and other concentration camps, which one they would have preferred? Sodom would have bet- was better. Because in Sodom, in a few minutes, you were dead. They did not, we, no, they walked, <laughs> walked people to death. Then, like, you keep walking until you can't walk anymore, then they shoot you. Sodom and Gomorrah, it was more tolerable. <laughs> like I said the next night, what to you, Chorazin? What to you, Bethsaida? For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which according to you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Let's just stop reading that one there. Now, I'm reading this to let you understand that rejecting the sun is not a joke. Do you hear what I said? Rejecting the sun is not a joke. One last one we read from this same book of Luke, chapter 11. Go to verse 40. Let's see from verse um, 42. Oh, let me just save time. Let's start from verse 46. Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weighed men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves do not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. 
Consequently, you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers because it was they who killed them and you built their tombs. For this reason also, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and some they will persecute. In order that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Listen to me. When Jesus was saying this, when he was going to be, when he was being, um, when he was being taken to the cross, and the women cried, he said to them, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. You know, another thing he said, he said, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. How I wished, I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. He said, but you will not have any of that. He said, therefore, your house is now left to you desolate. It will remain like that until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what happened. The Romans executed this judgment. Jerusalem rejected the son. They persecuted the prophets that he sent after the resurrection. All those things were put together. Seventy years after Jesus, the Romans came and executed the judgment of God upon that land. Now listen to me. Some people won't like what I'm about to preach, but this is the word of God. There is no promise to anyone, Jew or Gentile, that will ever be effective until they recognize the Son. And anyone that the Son is revealed to, who rejects the son, and then go beyond that to persecute the people that were sent. Hear the word of the Lord. It will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that nation. I say it all the time. I'm not kidding. See, everything has a time. Everything has a time. It's easy now for people to say in a particular country they are persecuting their Christians because they are Muslims there. In a particular country, they are persecuting Christians because they are communists. Listen, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. The day of judgment will come. I pray you understand what I'm saying. You know, I used to say it. I have nothing against Dubai personally. It's just that it's the most well-known nation in that area that most people go to. Christians don't go to Mecca. You understand? They don't go to Saudi. Apart from a few medical professionals who go to Saudi to go and earn some kudi, you know, Saudi and Kudi. It rhymes. I mean, it should be a poet. <laughs> the Lord is good. Most of the time we don't work. But I use Dubai. That's the reason why I use Dubai. And I say this as by the Spirit of God. Except there is a revival along the line and people acknowledge the Son. Desert thou art to desert thou shalt return. Why? It's the Scriptures. It's the Word of God. See, he said, I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and I will not turn back. To me, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. And anyone who is angry with him will be put to shame. That's your Bible. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 45. The last three verses. I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. Listen, Jesus is alive. He's not a joker. Please, I, I keep on calling preachers. Talk about him properly. 
Stop painting. He's not gentle Jesus, tender and lowly in the manger. That's an insult. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. Listen to me. He gets angry at his presence, especially when he's angry. Mountains quake. People tremble. They find it more tolerable to have rocks fall on them than to face the angry Jesus. We don't preach it like that. They say, no. I've heard it say, God is not the one punishing you as the devil. The devil is under judgment. How can he punish anybody? What nonsense are you telling me? Who is punishing you? God, whom you have rejected. The mercy of God, go and read your scriptures, abounds only upon those that fear him. You don't wake up every day, deny him any way you like, reject him, persecute his people. When I see the way Europeans are persecuting Christians, persecution starts level by level. Is that some of us don't believe that Europeans can ever lock people up for being Christians. They, they, who knew America could do it? It starts little by little. They won't just come and say, hey, say Jesus is not Lord. No, 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 that's for um, Boko Haram and um, Al-Qaeda and Islamic State. Their own is simple. What did Jesus say you should not eat? That tree that is in the center of the garden. Why not? You shall not surely die. Then they make a law that all of us must eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when we come and say, no, the Lord has commanded that we cannot touch it, we cannot eat of it, they say, go to prison. That's how persecution starts. And I found that one recently, just about two days ago. It's funny. Even, you know, in, of course, you know, the whole world, the whole world lies under the power of the weak, evil one. Do you know, normal godly sexuality has now been labeled an abnormality? Yes. They have a new name for it. You know, there's homosexuality. There is um, lesbianism. There is transgender. They now have a name for people who will not agree to have sex with somebody they are not deeply committed to. They say you are demisexual. Yes. The, oh, the name is out. You know, we say no, marry first. They all say, I'm telling you, that is, it has now been labeled a problem. <laughs> Those of you who call some of these countries sinner climbs, let me tell you right now, the only same place on this earth is heaven. And it's not even on this earth. The only same place is heaven. As things are right now, eh? I love this nation. I don't care how good your roads are, how good your water supply is. You know, life has to have meaning. There has to be sense. Like I saw a, a, a picture yesterday. I laughed. I, if I had to follow it to one of my friends, I don't even know where I saw it. Okay, I think it's one of our guys here that posted it. One man said, I'm not vaccinated, but I identify as vaccinated. You didn't get the joke? Because you can identify as anything. There's one girl I saw. Oh, you, you got it. it took you a while. <laughs> There's one lady I saw in a, um, in a I saw her, her story on BBC. She's, she's, um, she's British. She says she identifies as Korean. She doesn't live in Korea. Her parents are not Korean. She now, she feels Korean. And this girl has done over 10 surgeries to look Korean. Slanting the eyes, arranging the nose, the lips, the face. Says she's identifying as Korean. So one man sued recently. He lost the case anyway, but it begins to make sense that that thing may happen one day. He said, 
I want to be identified as a 40-year-old man. He said, but you are 60. He said, I feel 40. <laughs> he said, being labeled as 60 is spoiling my ability, my opportunities to do business, to date, to do all this kind of thing. So he came to court that the court should declare him 40 years old. And his argument, if, if somebody born a woman can say he feels like a man, and we are compelled to, repl- to agree that age is even less dramatic. So why don't you just agree that I'm 40 years old? After I feel 40, I can jog 40 kilometers. I'm not like those old 60-year-olds. I feel very 40. And the case went to court. And the judge said, no, you will spoil everything. <laughs> the guy said, okay, I'm going to appeal. I don't know what finally happened. He said, no. The people were, I'm telling you. See, the whole world now, th- th- no sense again. And under our bro, Barack Obama, Christians were persecuted for not agreeing. They were persecuted for not accepting. A man comes and says, I want to marry, my name is Adam, I want to marry Steve. Make cake. The guy says, I beg, my conscience don't go agree. He said, good. Then they start finding them on a daily basis. I said boldly, the reason why, one way by which God gave that nation some mercy is manifested in the person called Donald Trump. Because once he came into power, everybody shut up. They left that matter. They are still warming up now. They are not really yet ready. Joe Biden, somebody said, when his deputy takes over, now go see Pepe. You know what I'm talking about. No, the prophecy went out long ago. That the day a woman takes up office as the ruler of that country, they will see it. And the man who prophesied it, none of the prophecies give, not one has ever failed. And he said this thing, 1940-something, 1950-something. He could see it. He was describing what he was saying. Listen, I'm describing how God deals with nations. If you reject the son, you will suffer as a nation. If you persecute the son, he will deal harshly with you. You You will despise of life itself. I'm not kidding. Why I said what I began with earlier was that, you see, when I saw, I thought I was watching that movie and I saw persecution of the Jews. And people have tried to tell me all kinds of things. That God wanted to move them back to the promised land. You think God is a real estate agent? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like if you know God very well, eh, that's not the primary thing he was doing. They've said all kinds of things about, because there has to be a spiritual explanation, and I think Christians know the truth, but they like to lie about it. Because they think that when you tell the truth, somebody will say you are supporting anti-Semitism and persecution of the Jews. You've heard me say it, persecution of anybody is never done by true believers, unless they are backsliding. So I can't support that kind of persecution. They'll tell you that um, uh, Adolf Hitler used some of those arguments. See, those who want to do bad will use any argument to support the bad they want to do. Why Adolf Hitler was angry with the Jew, I don't know. But he had his own, argue, his own argument that they are the reason why they lost the First World War. They are the reason why they had the economic collapse. They, they, they had all kinds of, he had all kinds of things against them. But again, you see, you must understand that when God's judgment comes, it's, that's when you start seeing things like that. I say this boldly, and I say it again. The reason why that kind of suffering happened, are you listening to me? Is because men stood one day rejected the son on behalf of the whole nation 
and said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And I will say this that nobody, my brethren don't like to hear. No matter how hard you try to prevent it, it will happen again. Use all the military, use all the techniques, build holocaust museums everywhere. This is a not humanly decided. So, but now we are living at peace, don't worry. He said, when they said peace, said then sudden destruction will come upon them. You must understand this, all right? Even God allowed it. That a time will come that Esau will become restless and he will shake off tyranny. He doesn't remove the curse. It just gives you some breathing space for a while. Then the curse works back again. Listen to me. This whole earth is under a curse. The only solution is the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And that's why he said, whoever believes in him has passed out of death into life. But those who reject him, they are condemned already. Huh, you think it's a joke? That is the reason why we need to preach. How does God deal with nations? This is how he deals with them. They have their iniquity, they have their problems. Their name is maybe a place like um, Nineveh. They are Syrians. So he sends his prophets. Say, go and proclaim salvation to those people. Go and warn them. He goes with one of them, proclaim salvation. The name of God's salvation in this generation is Jesus Christ. There's no other name given under the heavens by which men can be saved. No other one. There is no science. There is no psychology. There's no economic policy by which men can be saved. There's no other one. The only way by which anyone can be saved is under the name Jesus Christ. He's the salvation of God. Is a lamb. What did John say? Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. The only time, this God, he gets angry. The only way you calm his anger is to show the blood of the son, Jesus Christ, and hide under the flow of that blood. So everyone who rejects is damned. Nation, individual, they are damned. Systems, they are damned. The only thing is that there's a time. He gives a time. You see, he said, I gave her time to repent. God gives time. I don't care the size of a nation. You are one billion people. You worship all kinds of gods. Jesus will come one day and present himself to you. And he gives you the number of times you can reject. A time comes, you finish your number of opportunities for accepting the son. You reject in the last moment and he closes the door. And then you see the kind of judgment you have never seen before. And he won't bat an eye. He's not even looking that direction. That's your suffering. He's not even looking. That's why he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let me tell you the truth. You see, I said something to us the other time. Listen. John the Baptist said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the judgment to come? And he don't do me. I said, John, what are you talking about? Is this not the same people that they told us Pilate mixed the blood of the people that came to sacrifice with their the blood of their sacrifices, and you are saying to, to flee from judgment to come. Is this not these same people that under the oppression of the Romans? They were sick, all kinds of problems amongst them. There was no prosperity in the land, and you are saying, who warned you to flee from the judgment to come? Basically, right now, you have not seen judgment yet. Are you getting my point? So when you see Rwanda go through crisis. And you see 800,000 people slaughtered by hand by their neighbors in the space of three months. Let me give you the word of John. 
They have, that's not the judgment. That's a warning. When Nigeria sees war, 67 to 1970, we call it the Biafran War, our civil war. Until now, they talk about millions died, and they have to talk about it. And since then, more, probably more have died all over the country from all kinds of things. You want to hear what John is saying? That was not judgment. That was a warning. Nations of the earth have seen things. John said, that's not judgment. That's warning. How do I know it's warning? It stopped. Then you guys are back in peace. I've given you another list of time. Till you acknowledge the sun. That is why the church is supposed to rise and preach the gospel. Not prosperity. It's the gospel. Prosperity is a side effect. It's not the main assignment. The main assignment is to tell people there is a judgment to come. It is going to come upon every nation on this earth that has rejected the Son. For every nation, every group of people, every individual, God has given them a certain number of times and he has given them a length of time that they must accept the Son. Otherwise, the son takes his potter's rod and begins to crush. And he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Like everywhere. He will crush them to powder. That is what he does. Why do we give the impression that this Jesus is rejected to Jesus? Rocking the cradle. If he's laughing, he says, love me. You prophesy who's loved you. That was long ago. The current Jesus... If you slap him, he will melt your hand. This current Jesus, you've not seen anything as terrible as his anger. You have not seen. Don't let my brethren lie to you. That God is not the one, the devil. Which devil? Does devil know how to punish people? The devil knows to do a few things. Tempt people. Accuse them. Then when they give him small power, he quickly just kills them. That's all he can do. What can he do? The devil that hides when Jesus, the angry Jesus is coming. Let me tell you what. Every nation, see, let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh. Second World War, the, when I saw the millions of people that died there, and in my mind I looked up at Jesus and said, he so. He was angry. So he threw the whole world into turmoil. And he gave them power to kill each other. And you know who did that? That's what Jesus does when he sees as judge. Against the people that spit in his face again. You don't trample on him twice. That trampling at Golgotha as your last chance. Don't do it again. A number of years ago, he looked at Indonesia and he was angry. And he told one of his angels, crack that ocean for me. Now off, all the, off the coast of Indonesia, the center of the Indian Ocean, an angel went in and hit the ground. 250,000 died. There are islands Jesus wiped off that day. They don't exist till today. They saw the wall coming. Water, what could they do? 
water drowned young and old, wiped off Asians, Europeans, just killed people left, right, and center. And he said to them, I will give you some more time, and I will be back. When we want to preach the gospel, six keys for effective customer service in your environment. Is the reason why you two will die, preacher. They give you a platform. You are telling dying people how to save dying people. What's wrong with you? So they can exchange naira and dollar. No wonder God keeps cursing the monies that we are pursuing. There's only one guy, one, one company, Lagos, ran away with people's money. And one pastor that used to preach all these customers, everything, they took his one million dollars with it. I said, bros, this is how you will know that God is talking to you. One brother said, sent us a meal. I saw the meal today. You may be listening to this. Interesting meal. He says, I've listened to you. I've listened to you. He said, many of the things you've told us, I believe them. He said, but... The temptation was strong. So there's a way they man, they, there's a way they collect money from CBN indirectly. All right? And they quickly sell it. There's a way they sell it in the black market. They didn't give details. He said, that first time we did it, I made 5,000 naira. So when I went to draw it, the ATM gave me only 2,005. Since they were giving him 1,005 times, gave him 500 five times. He said, I knew it was God. I didn't complain. I didn't go to the bank to complain. <laughs> I saw the meal. Very interesting. He may be listening to this, the brother. <laughs> he said, next time I... He said, he said, I went back and did it again. He said, this time I made 9,000 naira. He said, a day or two later, I stepped on my phone. It cost me 11,000 to repair. He said, sir, after that, I took warning. I knew the spirit was telling me, next time, you will see. Say, I have a, he's writing to repent. Say, Oga, how else will God tell somebody something? I have heard. He said, I have heard. Because the judgment was, you know, it was, you know, the judgment they do press up. So, it, <laughs> ah, the God we're having to deal with is a living God. Oh, he's living, he's alive. He's watching you like this. So please, if you have to go to Rwanda to preach, don't be shy. Tell them the truth. Kiss his son, lest he be angry. You guys refused to accept the mercy of the son when he came last time. Because many places where we have all kinds of churches, they still reject the son. You hear this population, they are 75% Catholic. Jesus said they still reject him. In fact, the funny thing about established churches are some of the strongest people in son rejection. Oh, Yes. They can reject the sun, and their own judgment will be worse. Do you know why? They've been exposed to light. Their own judgment will be worse. So don't be carried away. When they say this country is a Christian country, they are the ones that are closer to judgment when they reject the sun under that umbrella. And they drive him out of his own household. And they make him stay outside. When he ret- Go and see what he said in Revelation now. Give us warning. I'm going to come and fight against them with the rod of my mouth. Which Jesus will preach? Jesus that, like I say, gentle Jesus rocking in a cradle. Silent night. 
Then the person said, ask Jesus, what do you think about Christmas? He said, you, what do you think about being treated as a baby? He said, that was the Lord told him. He said, Jesus said, I despise it. The only problem, the baby thing. The problem with Christmas is the baby thing. I've had to plan Christmas program before, as, you know, my chaplain duties. Go and check the way I plan my own. Who get time for baby? King, thank you. I talk about, if I, you, you wouldn't know whether it's Easter or Second Ascension. You don't know the one I'm celebrating. Because for me, the story of Jesus must end with the fact that he's alive. He's coming again. The rocking who in the cradle. <laughs> he's the Lord of hosts. Yes. Before him, the whole earth trembles. The nations that reject him, he will punish. He will pulverize with his potter's rod of iron. He will. So when we want to preach, let's warn. Anywhere you go to preach, they're under judgment. That is, once you go to preach, they're under judgment. What do I mean? Because that's a chance to believe. If they refuse, you know what he said to them? To be more tolerable for Sodom in that day. Why? Light has come. And they have rejected. Let me tell you something about God. You don't reject him and be left the same way he met you. One of the bishops, what used to say those days? He said, no prophecy ever leaves you the same. It's either it lifts you up or it brings you down. You are sitting on your own judge on your chair. You are alright. Then prophecy comes. You have to rise to another level or you go to the ground. He won't leave you on that chair. If you disobey it, it's called judgment. If you believe it, it's called blessing. I say it boldly. The nations of this earth, especially, I just feel like, because we all understand this, I don't know whether it's saying I should say it, but because we all understand it. Especially in a place like Europe of today, they have judgment that has started ticking. Go and read about revivals. Germany, Switzerland, those names will stand out. And when God is judging, there are two ways. There are individual judgments. It's analysis. When he's looking at us, he looks as a person, looks at me as a person. Then he looks at us also as part of a system. What am I going to say? He says to Germany, from here arose Martin Luther. He goes to Switzerland. Many contemporaries in the great revival of those that came from there. So that whole nation is taken as a nation that has seen revival. They have seen the power of the ages to come. They have tasted the good word of God. Then for rejecting the sun, the bomb is ticking. So if you are from there, you have to pray in revival, or one of two things will happen to those nations I've just mentioned. In the next few years, they'll be thoroughly Islamic. It's only, and why? You wait to preserve the land for a while. Otherwise, God will wipe them off the surface of the earth. Mark my words. Not kidding. You don't play with Jesus. You see, I I wish we would understand him. If you understood him, you would preach differently. Not this one of, uh, ah, Jesus, check me tomorrow. What do I go to the office? I I feel thinking about believing that time. That's how I would treat him. Now, when I say, you know, those of us were young. Oh, God. You go out on evangelism. 
Some people think, take it upon themselves to mock you just because you are preaching. If it is now, if it is now, the way I will answer you, I will look at you, oh, you fool. We are offering you deliverance, you want to die. Die by fire! <laughs> think I have time for this nonsense. Oh, rubbish is this one. No, I will see preachers and they just say, look at this. You don't, even, you don't even know what is happening. You know, look, the fact they are maltreating Jesus Christ is keeping quiet. You know, he looked at them. They say, they are beating you. He said, ah, hey, girls, girls, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. Something I want to tell those who are persecuted Christians, you don't know what you are doing. Ha, see as judgment is exercising. Ready to unleash upon people. And they think they are persecuting Christians. If God takes the sins of the world in rejecting the Son and lays it out against them, you will tremble when you see what they will go through. I say it again. I have no reason to change my mind. After I analyzed the Holocaust, analyzed what Hitler and Himmler and Co. concocted against a group of people. I looked and said, no, the devil could not have thought of this. And David Parsons said, no, God warned about it. The only problem I had with David Parsons' teaching, eh, when he was explaining, he says judgment for assimilation. I said, no, it's judgment for rejecting the son. I'm like, look, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The curse that was released that day is still hanging in the air. So let this, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. The only people that will be delivered have to reject that curse by believing in the Son. You want to know how God deals with nations? That is the most important thing he's doing. When we go out to preach the gospel, what we are doing is delivering people from this judgment. That we are describing. Let's bow down heads. Let us pray. I have one more thing to say, but we'll say that one next time. Because there is something about the church that's a light of the nation that's about to undergo judgment. There's something about it. That's why they are called the salt of the earth. They are called the salt of the earth. That's why they are called the salt of the earth. I want us to take a moment and just thank God for his righteousness. Because indeed he's righteous. Because he's righteous. And we have painted a very terrible, in quotes, image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's righteous. He does his deeds in righteousness. I want us, let's just acknowledge him in our hearts there. Say, Jesus, you are righteous. Yes, you are righteous. Yes, he's righteous. He's righteous. He's a righteous Jesus. He is righteous. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for patience. Because people have rejected him, but he's been patient with them. He's been watching them. Thank you for his patience. Thank you for his patience. Now we understand this is why he has to, you know, when people obstruct the flow of his mercy, how do you obstruct the flow of the mercy of God? By obstructing the flow of the preaching of the word of righteousness. 
the word of salvation, that word that wants people to flee from the judgment to come, you're obstructing the flow of his mercy. Because without people believing and being delivered, they can never be saved. I want us to pray for the land we are in. Say, Lord, pour forth your truth into this land. Revival of evangelism. Uh, let's continue to pray that prayer that the Lord will pour forth his truth into this land. And for you who are online, you can join in that prayer and ask that the Lord pour forth his truth. Ask that the laborers that the Lord has sent will do their work, that we will understand the severity of the judgment that is to come, and that will actually push us out to one people of the judgment that is to come. Oh, pray, pray. You can start that warning from your family. Like um, Lot went out to warn his uh, in-laws and they rejected him, but at least he gave them the warning. So let us pray that the Lord will pour forth truth through my mouth. Yes, through you, through you. First, we even need to understand this judgment that is to come. Thank the Lord that you know him. Yes, that your faith is in Christ. So the Lord is not angry against you. He's angry with the wicked. And you are not the wicked. But we have a duty to warn those who are out there. And it is through the preaching of truth, the word of God, that will send this warning. Oh Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Give the Lord thanks for the word you have received again this evening. We've been corrected. We've received instruction. And also grace. We have received grace this evening. Father, we thank you. We give you praise forever. Thank you so much for sending your word to us. Thank you, Lord, because we have ears and we've heard. Yes, we have ears and we've heard. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for today. We are blessed. We give you the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's share the grace in fellowship. One to let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing all things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Quickly bless four people around you. Say, this is your season of the Spirit, the power of God. Three more to go. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus, the third person, Spirit, and of the power of God. The last one, this is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. One last one for yourself, this is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, cheer up, brethren.